Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Kate Boyle, your host. And before we dive into this week's episode, I just wanted to ask a very small favor. Now, if you are enjoying our episodes and you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app now because that tells everybody else that this is a great podcast to listen to. And I would be forever grateful. Okay, kicking off this week's episode, I have a very special guest, Chow Lin Moy. Now, Chow is an alternative and Chinese medicine expert with over 21 years of experience in alternative and Chinese medicine. She is a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist, and she founded Integrative Healing Arts in NYC, where she offers acupuncture, herbal medicine, and energy healing to treat patients. In our interview, we chat about women's health and hormones and how Eastern and Chinese medicine can be used to help balance our hormones, as well as acupuncture, and we also chat about psychedelic-assisted therapy. So let's have a listen in to our conversation. Hi, I'm Kate Boyle, and welcome to the Mind Movement Health Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you health information from diet and lifestyle to movement and nutrition. My aim is to bring you bite-sized pieces of information that you can instigate into your everyday life to change your health. everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I have another very special guest on the show this week. Cho, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. We haven't really delved into Chinese medicine and Eastern medicine and all of that on the podcast, but I know it can be a really great help for women's health. So before we dive in, can you just introduce yourself to the listeners? Um, yeah. Okay. So my name is Cho Lin Moy. I am a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist uh, and a practitioner of Chinese medicine with a brick and mortar practice in Union Square in New York City. I can imagine that would be so busy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it is very uh, Union Square is a um, definitely a like a hub of uh, activity. So, yeah, there's a lot of. A lot going on for sure. And I know you've done lots of other studies as well. Can you share that with the audience too? Um, yes. Okay. So um, aside from studying acupuncture, Chinese medicine, uh, also massage therapy, I'm trained in neurolinguistic programming and theta healing. And uh, a couple of years ago, I completed training in psychedelic assisted therapy. And currently I am in a program for uh, psychedelic integration coaching. Mm. Interesting, (laughs) which we will definitely dive into in this episode for sure. Now, I will just ask you to explain to the listeners, if they're sort of listening in and not sure what Chinese medicine is or Eastern medicine, can you explain what that is? Uh, sure. Well, uh, East Asian medicine. So we're going to look at it, including things like Ayurvedic, right? Um, is, you know, the difference is, is that it is a holistic perspective. So, um, it's called, we can call it medicine, but really it's about 
practicing a, a way of living that cultivates health and wellness and longevity. And so in Chinese medicine, there is acupuncture, herbal medicine, body work, like massage therapy. Then there is food uh, food therapy or food medicine. So how we eat is, you know, within season. So that's considered, um, you know, not separate, but really this is how you, you eat, you know, in terms of being healthy. There is exercise. Um, there is also mindfulness, which could be like yoga or Tai Chi, because it's really um, looking at uh, how you manage your thoughts and your breathing and movements. Uh, then there is also feng shui, which is the art and science of placement. And then the the last one, which is uh, is more esoteric. So it would be like the I Ching and looking at uh, the zodiac. You know, and 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 really, that I I look at it also as like maybe a kind of branches or intertwines with feng shui because you know when we arrive on the planet and where we are in relation to the stars and the universe, it's kind of a also relevant to it. Uh, but like feng shui is much more immediate environment of, you know, how you live in your house. Is it, you know, cluttered or uncluttered and, um, how that affects our health. Mm, super interesting. And, you know, hearing you speak about that, it's very different to Western medicine, which tends to be what the side of Western medicine that most people be familiar with is they have some kind of ailment and they go to the doctor and the doctor says, here you go, I'll prescribe you this medication and then you'll be okay, essentially. Yeah. Well, so Western medicine is more of an interventional um, and, and much more pat like pathologizing a person. So really like looking at the disease and uh, not really treating the person with the the disease, right? Uh, so the it's this aspect of, you know, broken and fix model versus how like really like taking into consideration instead of intervening, but really um, helping the individual to do what the body will naturally do. So if uh, a person is not getting better, then we're looking at, okay, um, the, the sickness that they're experiencing is the symptom of their body being weakened and, and in some capacity to not be able to overcome it. Um, but then there's also, you know, pathogens that are so strong, everybody's going to get sick. And so you, you start to look at, you know, everyone is going to, their immune system is going to be challenged. So really looking at, okay, what can we do to address the symptom of it? And then also what do we need to do as a root cause to help that person to build their health back? Right. So it's, it's mm. yeah. And it's very and I think much, yeah. I was just going to say, the root cause is the key that I think sometimes often gets overlooked in the root in uh, Western medicine. Exactly. So where everyone goes like, "Oh, this is the root. Let me pull it out," <laughs> or um, "This is the weed." Um, but actually, um, it's it's much more about like, "Oh, what is the the issue?" It's not one thing. It's usually okay, not getting sleep, um, not eating properly. Um, listening to, um, you know, too much social media. Um, there's also, uh, you know, they're, 
overworking and kind of engaging in activities, which would be, you know, like staying up all night, partying, like all, all kinds of things. Um, and so, and then also living in environments um, that are not so uh, conducive to, you know, health and wellness. Mm. And, you know, I work with people and their bodies in movement and often they'll come in in pain and they'll explain to me, they'll be like, oh, I just bent over and my back went and I couldn't move. And, you know, I can't believe such a small movement would do that. And I often have to explain to them that it's it's never one thing. There's always an accumulation over time of things building up and your body will communicate to you like they would have had a few twinges here and there or, you know, they would have felt stiff. There would have been a build up to that point, but often we don't feel that or maybe listen to our body until it gets to that breaking point. Right. I mean, so, um, so pain, for instance, is a, is a signal to, you know, like, Hey, there's something wrong. Pay attention. Um, one thing that can happen is when someone no longer experiences pain, they're like, Oh, I'm all better. But the pain is like a symptom that there's something else. And, um, I don't know if you, um, I'm guessing you experience this, that as a person starts to feel better, they're like, okay, I'm good. And they don't complete full recovery because they're like, oh, okay, it's not as bad as I thought this time, or I can, I'll be, you know, I'm good. And then they stop doing the exercises. They stop showing up for their, um, therapies and, um, they kind of go back to the thing, including working out at the gym and uh, lifting up weights or doing um, certain kinds of exercises and activities, which actually cause them to have the injury <laughs> to begin with. And yeah, um, yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like they don't believe it. They're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, no, you just got to a place where your body is balancing and now it needs to heal. And then it needs to get strong. Like, so once it's, it's kind of this, like the cast is off, you can start walking. Okay, great. I'm all like, no, but you cannot run a marathon. You really are going to need to like take care and then um, adapt or modify whatever you were doing because the way you were doing it was not the way to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll often say to my clients, you know, we'll finish the session and they'll be like, oh, I feel so much better. And I say to them, please don't go out, you know, this afternoon and do too much because you do feel better, but that doesn't mean that you can go home and do a thousand and one things that you haven't been doing because you haven't been feeling well. And they're like, oh, oh, okay. I, you know, it's almost like a new concept that they're like, but I feel better now. I'm like, no, no, no we've gotten you to this point. Now we need to continue to build on it. So I a hundred percent agree with what you said. And sometimes, you know, I have to just communicate to clients that they have to just hold back a bit and just, you know, take it slowly over time. Yeah. It's really, um, and so, okay. So another thing about East Asian medicine, Chinese medicine is really, um, cultivating that mind body connection. So really understanding just because you feel like, okay, I don't have pain anymore, that they're also kind of just not really listening to what's going on and understanding, um, you know, when someone realizes that funny feeling when they're like, oh, you know, I think I'm getting sick. It's, there's usually like 
a, a moment when people feel like, oh, I got a little scratchy throat. I might be getting sick. It's at that moment means like, okay, now you need to go and rest, not ignore it, going to the gym or going out and partying or, you know, staying late in the office. But really it's, that's that little sign that says, okay, you're getting tired and you need to pay attention to this. Um, Because oftentimes we just ignore it. It's like, oh, oh, I'll I'll be okay. You know, I'll be okay. Um, But not do anything. (laughs) It's like, and um, so really like understanding um, the signals that your, your body is telling you is really, is really key. Um, So, and that's part of that you know, we are talking about like, oh, I feel better. I'm going <laughs> to like, well, you still need to like check in with yourself. Right? Mm. And I think building that body awareness, I know with some of my clients, sometimes it seems to be very intuitive and some people that come in are, are really in tune with that. And then I have other clients that have like no concept of it at all and it takes quite a while to kind of build up that proprioception and that connection yeah um it's actually called interoception right it's a it's a that really like that feeling of knowing your body and and we do know for instance um let's say when we're hungry, we're like, oh, I'm hungry. Or you're like, oh, I can tell I'm, I'm, I'm a little dehydrated or, oh, I need to use the bathroom. That's that kind of where we're connected to our body's um, functioning and can then communicate with it. But aside from those, uh, usually those signs that people are aware of that we tend to ignore everything else. Right. And, and, and don't develop that, develop it unless you have mindfulness practices and are very conscious about, uh, you know, with food and activities and, and, and things that we are doing. Um, other than that, most of the time people just are, are unaware of, you know, what's going on. Yeah. And I think too, with, you know, our lifestyle people tend to be rushing and super busy. And so they do tend to, maybe they do hear those kind of signals, but they ignore it and they push through. And, you know, some of that's conditioned to our lifestyle. But I think, you know, everything you say about sort of Chinese and Eastern medicine, it's kind of getting us closer to that connection with our body. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, um, what we see now more and more are like people doing yoga, right? Doing um, breathing exercises and uh, shifting their um, diet, right? The, the foods that they eat, a little more consciousness around it. Um, the, the thing is, is that they may be doing it because it's like a healthy thing to do. And the missing piece might be that really conscious connection to it not like I do it because it's good for me. Uh, but it's really like, oh, I'm chewing on this vegetable and I'm really tasting it. And I'm really recognizing as I absorb the flavors and feel it that I can actually feel it coursing through and noticing, you know, what's happening. And that's, that's a practice, right? The practice of eating. <laughs> Yeah, and consistency with those types of practices definitely helps over time. Exactly, absolutely. 
Now, with your work, you do quite a bit of work with women and helping them balance their hormones, especially as they enter perimenopause and menopause. You know, what type of, you know, ailments and and uh, do you see with women coming in? Um, well, there's usually, I mean, okay, so the biggest complaints are going to be are things like um, the flashing, like hot flashes, like headaches, insomnia. Uh, indigestion and uh, let's say weight gain there's like a lot of like indigestion like gas and bloating um and weight gain and so and then of course like skin you know that's like a, a portion uh a part of it but i think the biggest thing is the you know the gaining of the weight that they're all of a sudden their body might just swell up and um, there's the emotional, the major emotional component, I should say, is the, um, you know, culturally, the idea of getting old. And um, so a, a big part of my practice, of course, is um, I do a lot for fertility. And then also, you know, most of my 90% of my practice is female. Uh, so it's really uh, women's health. And uh, addressing, I'd say across the board, you know, it's very stressful being female. Uh, women take on so much more of the pressures. Uh, and I think uh, Gabor Mate, who he like talked about women and why are women ha- like 80% of autoimmune conditions are female or like the female population, because culturally we really take on and absorb the stress as the caretaker and being um there for other people and 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 so this is something that is definitely prevalent for women expectation and uh and then you know they feel like their body is failing them or um and and oftentimes they dislike their you know what's going on so you know maybe i don't know if they ever really completely loves you know like i love my body i love my fat rolls or whatever it is, because <laughs> um, there's a lot of self-criticism. Um, so really to help them with their, you know, shift their mindset around it, and then also help them metabolically to release inflammation. Because one thing that is very prevalent with stress is inflammation in the body. And uh, so before we can uh, specifically look at, oh, I want to fix this or that, we've got to look at constitutionally what's going on. Um, So their nervous system uh, and the inflammation that's there. And then, and also within that is the mindset around what is going on, you know, as they're, they're shifting into a different phase of life, um, uh, which is physiological and metabolic and emotional shifting um that's happening and then you know their uh you know their self-confidence um which is a big part of it because culturally there's like everywhere around uh we look at you know uh fashion as like teenagers and super skinny and that is not really ideal or realistic and so to really um you know for a long time or, you know, like the, you know, a woman is in her forties that she's been seeing this all along 
And then as she starts to get a little bit older and she like, it's like really uh, this big loss. And then, um, so, uh, that's a lot of what I treat and I use acupuncture and, um, really more food therapy and then herbs if it's appropriate. Right. Mm. Well, I saw a, um, Chinese medicine specialist when a number of years ago, when I was having issues with my menstrual cycle, it was really going all over the place after the birth of my second daughter, you know, really long menstruation and short time between, and it was a bit all over the place. So I did the herbs um, and I had to drink this concoction, which <laughs> tasted horrible it's horrible um, yeah horrible horrible um and I had to like cook it up and my husband it smelled so bad my husband was like can't you cook that outside on the barbecue so we don't have to smell that in here I mean you're okay so I gotta say you're hardcore if you're doing that I mean that is um so so you know appropriate one of the things with um herbal medicine is you've got to have compliance to do it and oftentimes, I mean, the best is really to do it that way. If you can cook it and get it into the tea and then you drink it. But for the most part, it will stink up everything. <laughs> and then it's just like, can't drink it. Uh, so, um, you know, there may be a pharmacy where you are. I mean, there's definitely a couple in New York where they will take the raw herbs and they will cook them for you and stick them into little like packets where you could just pour it out and heat it up and drink it. Um, so even though that was, is probably the, the, the best way to take it, um, that if the person is not going to comply, then it's, then it's not going to work if they're not going to do it. So, or even like the liquid can be really like very um, difficult for people because it's so bitter, and 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 so if they're 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 not going to do it, then they're not going to get the benefit. So then the the next would really be um, something like in the the powders, um, which are like a dehydrated, and you mix it with a little hot water, or then in like a capsule or the little they call the tea pills to do. Um, so it really. You know, if you can do it, that's great. If not, there are other options. Options. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then to, I mean, you know, I was asked on another podcast or, or, you know, we talk about, you know, Chinese herbs are also different than taking supplements or drugs, right? Because the drug is looking at the symptom part. And with an herbal formula, you're looking at, let's say, um, to re reset um, the, the cycle to support the body in a way. So then you'll have like a regular cycle versus, oh, these herbs, I have a hormonal components to them, right. Or they're substitute hormones. It's really like, okay, what is the underlying thing that's happening? And especially when you have a child, you lose a lot of blood, you lose a lot of nutrients, um, you're breastfeeding. So your body is really depleted. And so what does somebody need they need to be able to build back their strength and their um, digestion for sure to be able to process what they're eating to then convert it into the hormones to the fats for um, the milk 
and then again enough uh, to make more blood so that you get your cycle back, right? And and that yeah. So um, and then when that happens, then there's another phase. So you wouldn't take the same formula the rest of your your life. You take it for a period of time. Yeah. Well, I was taking that, and then I was also having acupuncture at the same time. Yeah. Um, and. Both were really beneficial. And, you know, I had a, a newborn, a second newborn with two years, so a two-year-old, a newborn, well, by that stage, maybe six months, um, you know, other stress happening within family members being unwell. So there was, a, you know, a whole lot happening to my body and around me in my environment at the time. So, you know, adding that in was definitely really beneficial for me. So I, I have experienced, you know, some yeah. experience. Um, yeah. that was, it was really, really good. Yeah. And the fact that, okay. So w- what I would say also is that you took the time to take care of yourself. Right. And that's a, um, oftentimes like, Oh, I don't have time to do it. I just get, can I just take something and, and really, um, again, that's a mindset thing of cultivating health and wellness and longevity. And that means that you consciously like I need to if I'm not good then it's not gonna be good for my kids or my family and so it seems like oh but I'm not the priority they're the priority like no actually you have to be the priority (laughs) otherwise you can't take care of you know you're not going to be able to you know have the energy to support everyone else if you don't um, put yourself uh, first right putting yourself first in that vein is is really um is really doing for your family, right? But I think a lot of women do struggle with that as well to try to put themselves first because we are, you know, most of us learn that, you know, we should look after others and we should look after, you know, obviously look after our kids. And most of the time, in my experience, we tend to do that at the expense of our own health. Yeah. So I think, you know, where the, um, I would say, where the error, I'm going to use the word like error is, is that um, sacrificing yourself is not um, really sustainable, right? And so that's usually, there's a, a message of, you know, like it's, oh, sacrifice, giving something up for somebody else. But the thing is, is that in, in this case, it, it doesn't really, it's, it's, it's not a good thing. Let's put it that. So I think there's like a kind of a confusion and and certain ideas they get into. Oh, you like give to other people and give, but if your if your cup is empty, <laughs> you have to first fill your cup before you can actually, you know, give to somebody else. And and so I think that is um, because then everybody goes down, right? Um, so I think that's this, like with women that the idea that, oh, they always, you know, take less and give more, um, really is very depleting. And then in the end, it's very, um, challenging for women to really be present and, and to, you know, give for their family when they're exhausted. Mm, And I think we see probably too much of that really from what I see with my clients, especially anyway. And then those habits tend to stick around even as they're sort of hitting their 50s and their children are pretty much grown up. They're still, you know, 
doing too much for everybody else and then they're hitting menopause and then they're really starting to struggle as you said before there's things like weight gain and hot flashes and the inflammation and it's then that they start to go oh I've got to change something now yeah exactly or they feel guilty about it um or and ashamed too like I should have known um one of the things that, and I, I don't know if you have it in your practice, but I noticed that, you know, women that are late 40s, 50s, and their parents are getting older, you know, late 70s, early 80s. And um, they, you know, they say like, oh, my parents, they refuse to get out of the house and walk. They were, they're just eating these like TV dinners, or they, they're not cooking, or they're just like, they're not, you know, they're, they're not taking care of themselves and they don't want to do this and do that. And they watch, you know, certain TV shows that are propaganda show, or whatever, you know, like they're just not, you know, kind of living and, or, and not healthy and just taking drugs and medication and they believe everything, right? They're not making any moves for health. And, um, the, you know, the, even though they can witness what's going on with their parents or let's say elderly relatives of how they not take care of themselves. They're not recognizing that they're doing the same pattern right now because they learn the pattern, right? And the pattern's really strong. And so unless you're really conscious or make the connection, like that's going to be me, in 30 years they don't because they feel like oh I, yeah but i come and i do and then it's like oh i can't make it i'm too busy i have this i have that i can't you know like and so they are doing the same thing that their parents did to then get into a, a situation where they haven't developed the the habit and care of themselves right of really you know in it's just more like sacrifice for this sacrifice for that. And, um, so making that connection is, uh, cause they don't see it. They don't necessarily see it. Right. Unless they have a little health scare. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's almost, you know, when you're too close to something because it's you having perspective on yourself is very difficult. That's sometimes where it's great. If you've got a partner or a friend that may be a little bit more direct that you may not always love, sometimes when they bring that stuff up, it can be very helpful in the long run. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, what I, I mean, I, when I'm talking with my patients and they're telling me certain stories and like, oh, my parents, they came from, or they did this, or this happened. And, um, you know, or they had like a contentious relationship with a parent and, uh, and I'm talking and they're talking about their physically having experiences. They're, they're not getting, you know, they're, what I would say is I look at when somebody's not healing over a period of time that um, something else is in the way, some unhealed something <laughs> that is blocking, right? So energetically, emotionally, um, physically, spiritually, uh, that there's some unfinished business that's kind of stuck in there. And, um, you know, with the acupuncture, it actually can shift and bring stuff up that might have been buried or, you know, some might have witnessed something. And um, 
interestingly, like people repeat certain kinds of relationships, even though it may seem like, oh, it's not the same thing, but you you hear like the end result is emotionally, they're feeling, you know, very uh, upset or, you know, it's creating this um, unease and it's very similar to something else. And if you actually say, you know, like, hey, kind of sounds like that uncle you were talking about. Is that like the same thing? And they will like, oh, yeah. It's weird. They're like, oh, I never made that connection. Right. So being on the outside, you can actually also look at patterns that are like showing up that then have been rooted or have, have found um, a place physically in their, their body that needs to be, you know, like kind of like brought up and processed, you know, like process it out. Mm. And I think that's very underrated. And a lot of people potentially don't realize that. And that's where if you can have a team of people that you're working with, you know, it might be an acupuncturist, you know, your physio, your Pilates instructor, if you've got something physical going on, maybe you have a counselor that can help you work through emotions. But, you know, having someone in a team that can link some of these things together can help bring that up. Sure, sure. And especially if somebody's had an uh, an accident, like a that you know, if they don't heal over a certain period of time, we know that there's going to be, I know, I would say, and not like Chinese medicine, there's an emotional component that's in there because it interrupted their life. And and now it's very different from what it was. And they recover, but then there can be that residual um, from that, you know, event that can just be hanging out there that'll show, they can show up like 20 years later. You know, and that's something that was, you know, kind of like, you know, put aside until they could um, be ready to actually uh, work through whatever that was, that experience. Mm, For sure. Hi, everyone. I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know about my brand new Pilates challenge. So my Thrive in Five Pilates challenge is kicking off on Monday, the 4th of March. Each day for five days, I'm going to send you a short 10-minute Pilates workout that you can do in the comfort of your own home. So if you want to join us, maybe you are looking to get back into exercise, maybe you want to try Pilates, maybe you just want to start to create a really consistent Pilates routine, well, then this challenge is for you. Head on over to the podcast show notes to sign up and get ready for this amazing challenge. We're going to have our own private Facebook group as well. So I'll be supporting you throughout the five days with any questions you may have as we do our Pilates workouts. So head on onto the show notes and sign up. I can't wait to see you in the group. Now, with your psychedelic assisted therapy, yeah, how do you weave that into your practice? Um, great question because um for the most part, uh that uh plant medicines or psychedelic medicine is still schedule one, so that means it is not um legal, you know, federally. And there are only certain states that they are, you know, it's decriminalized. And so at this point, what I do is if somebody um, 
wants to know about what it is um, that I can uh, talk to them about, you know, possibly if they're interested in microdosing or going in uh, doing ketamine. So ketamine therapy is legal. And so it's really, so the difference w- would be, you know, like how, what do they want to achieve, right? And um, if they are considering um, microdosing with, let's say, mushrooms, et cetera, et cetera, I can talk to them about it, um, like what it might be like. But that's going to be for them to, you know, I, I can't condone it. I can't say, oh, yeah, go ahead and do it. It's really a matter of harm reduction. And so a lot of people are very interested and there's a lot of literature and there's a lot of research uh, around it. Um, and uh, also, you know, if, it, if you're in Colorado, it's legal, right? If you're in Oakland, it's uh, also legal in California. And in Portland, they've just started opening up these uh, clinics, so really a lot of interest around it um, and really to be able to talk to somebody about, you know, what it might be like for them and then how to pursue it um, and really how to find, uh, you know, let's say someone who's going to be a facilitator because there are places outside of the U.S., right, um, where you can actually uh, go and, and, and um, uh, go to a retreat. Uh, what I can share is I first went to one in Amsterdam, which was uh, through Synthesis Institute, um, because at the time uh, it was legal. And so I wanted to actually have that experience and to know what it would be like in a controlled environment with the doctors and part of, you know, part of research to actually, you know, have an experience. And from there, um, you know, because there's a lot of like fear around substance, like different kinds of plants, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and to really like, look at like how beneficial it is. And we really need to have it so that it's safe and that there's a lot of information that is there so that people can make informed choices. Right. And um, so then there are centers that are outside of the US, so like in Mexico or Costa Rica, Jamaica, and then um, more centers that are opening up. I think they're also in Portugal, like different parts um, where it's possible to actually work, um, we call above ground, you know, with the the medicine. And, um, but if somebody is going to do something anyway, it's better to, you know, have some harm reduction with it and to, you know, talk about like, if that's something that someone's going to do. Um, and, you know, part of all of this training is really for when the time when um, the decriminalization will happen. Um, and also to, you know, you have more and more people that are actually trained. Um, so there's like a safety because, once everything is decriminalized, then it's kind of like a free for all. <laughs> and, uh, and as we've seen in like some States where, um, in, uh, it's in like Portland where they have uh, a few of the centers, um, that they're looking at and they're, you know, they're, there's wait lists, you know, for, um, these services that then you have cropping up a lot of other, um, a lot more underground activity called underground activity going on. 
And um, so there's no, we don't know. I, I mean, there are a lot of underground practitioners that are highly experienced. So there's that, but there's also then there's a lot that are not. Um, and so this is where this, we're in this transition period right now where, um, you know, there's also the, what we call the, um, we call the psychedelic uh capitalism or the industrial the industrial model the uh which is also or the pharmaceutical model which is also kind of in the background so there's like a lot of moving parts as to how these substances and you know plant medicines are going to be accessible for people and you know they have so much uh you know therapeutic value and really, like a little bit goes a long way, and uh, really could be shifting like dramatically, you know, how people with um, you know emotional and mental distress are are treated and how they recover, you know, how they actually um, are part of the uh, participation. So. What I would say with the psychedelic and plant medicine is, is that model is so much closer to East Asian medicine where you're are in collaboration. And, um, you know, when I did my training, the, you know, like it was very, um, a lot of research models. Um, and at the same time that the facilitators at Johns Hopkins, and NYU and with maps that those facilitators were kind of like, it's the person's journey, like they're, it's their experience. And we're, you know, we're there supporting them. We're not intervening. We're not, uh, guiding them even, or just like there to, you know, help them to go deeper and to access that inner healer. Right. So, this for me is very exciting because the model is very different than like here, take these medications and numb your feelings out. Um, it's really that, okay, you are going to go in there and you're going to do work and you're going to have insights, um, that, uh, don't necessarily look like, uh, you know, the, the, the therapy, the therapy of, let's say, Freudian, Jungian, or, um, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, like all of those kind of, um, I guess, structured, yeah, traditional, like, ideas. Yeah, so, so it's, 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 it's much more fluid. And because you're the, you're, you're tapping into this inner wisdom, too, like your body and your psyche really knows what's going to help it at, at a really core level, if um, it has the opportunity, right. And um, so, I mean, one of the things about with Western medicine, it has a, a, a tone of I mean, I also all, I usually hear it because I have most of my patients are women, you know, and a lot of fertility that um they're like oh well i don't know we never see this or this is not normal or oh you should be getting pregnant in a short period of time and so there's also an aspect of not just you know like 
what is what you're coming forward with, but this access of what's the right way to heal. And like, oh, you don't respond to the medicine the way everybody else in the, the clinical trials do. So this is the idea of like, you need to fit into the model versus the model needs to shift to accommodate really what is in front. Like this is really happening. Like there, you know, it's so this is, a, it's a, an interesting thing. And including with you know, like mental illness, there's the idea, oh, you take this and you that and you should be okay. And if it doesn't work, there's something wrong with you. It's like, no, this model of medicine doesn't really work for everyone or for most people, for most people. Right. And so that's, uh, you know, something to, you know, admit that this has been like a, as good as we know how to do it right now. But there's obviously better, better things that are out there and we have to be open to them and not be really like very stuck to being right about <laughs> like, this is the way it is and uh, making patients wrong <laughs> for not, uh, you know, accommodating the model. Mm. Well, I only have, you know, obviously limited knowledge about psychedelics, but what I have read and seen they have said that there's been some, you know, really great breakthroughs with treating people with clinical depression. OCD is another one I've read a bit about. Cancer as well, just in the sense with cancer, with managing pain and expectations and, you know, even accepting the, you know, the chance of death if that's been part of their diagnosis and things like that as well. Mm -hmm. Addiction, addiction and um, post-traumatic stress disorder for sure. Um, drug resistant uh, depression, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, veterans, and, and and actually, what is um, uh, this is actually in the states. It's Veterans uh, Veterans Day is uh, coming up, and uh, it's the weekend this weekend, and we have you know a huge percentage of veterans suffering with post traumatic stress disorder. Um, a lot of suicide, a lot of drug addiction, a lot of homelessness, a lot of, you know, really um, things that uh, are are very challenging. And, you know, one of the things that working with uh, psychedelic uh, assisted therapy, and we look at, um, and I'll get back to the assisted part of it, is that this really makes a big difference. And so this, the the fact that it can help People with PTSD, and in particular, addressing the veterans is where there's a lot of support also around, um, you know, these uh, kinds of treatments. Uh, I recently read, it was an article talking about um, psychedelics and actually rescheduling, and then also the, you know, the FDA designated um, the, uh, like, psilocybin and MDMA um, as part of, uh, they call breakthrough, like a breakthrough therapy, because the results have been really tremendous. Um, but one of the things is, is that psychedelic assisted therapy, so not psychedelics alone <laughs> within the model of also therapy. So different from the idea of, I'll give you an antidepressant or an SSRI, and once we change your chemistry, you should be okay, right? Or like, oh, your your problems go away. 
But the fact is you do, you need the whole thing. You need the support. You need um, to be able to talk to somebody or to have some kind of other, you know, even like somatic therapy to really like look at the whole package and really like how to support that individual who is going through or, or, or has gone through something and is right now what they're experiencing is the trauma of the thing. Right. So that's why they're, you know, the, the, the event was traumatic. The trauma is the kind of reliving over and over again. And so having a a place in which this person is really supported um through processing their um experience and then helping them to shift and 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 that has to come from within them right <laughs> like cuz they have to believe it they have to like accept and they will will need to forgive themselves and forgive others and have compassion for themselves. Right. Um, we can tell somebody this is what you need, but for, for it to come from within is where the work is. Right. And that's with, you know, all with all of healing. Mm. Um, so the therapy part is going to be, is, a uh, is, is important. It makes a difference to have the, the, um, community and support for sure. Mm. And a little bit like what we were saying before, that it's not just the one, it's not one thing. It's having that team and coming at it from different areas and views to come together for that holistic model. Yeah. I mean, if somebody is struggling, let's say, and a lot of veterans are home, like are not, are not in stable home environments, on a for a person who let's say has no other challenges and a hurricane comes and sweeps their home away okay that's going to be very traumatic for them to deal with you know like figuring out okay i got to you know find a place to live i got to do this i got to do that right this is would be like really challenging and very difficult for the average person so we're looking at for someone to heal and move forward, they also need the other support things. They need to have a stable living environment. They need to have a community. They need to have support. They need to have access to health care, like all of these, all of these things. Otherwise just, uh, you know, a ceremony or a medication is not going to suddenly, you know, change the outcome right? That, that actually they really need to have like support all around. And, and so that's like a whole other aspect of, um, you know, health and wellness is, is really, you know, what access in general do people have to health and wellness and stable uh, living, living conditions and environment. Mm. And that can have a huge effect too on the outcomes, you know, absolutely. you know, oh, yeah. just, general health but you know on the treatment that you're getting as well absolutely absolutely so it's a really bigger pick it's a whole pick it's a whole thing right and then again getting back to to me i look at it and i'm like oh this like definitely because this is part of those principles in chinese medicine 
you want to have all like like a whole air all of these different areas to be addressed. Mm. Agree, and I think it's one of those things. I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on <laughs> and, and that next, you know, support and community aspect of health, and you know, the healthcare and access is a huge thing. Um, but we'll we'll stick to uh, what we've yeah, been we'll talking see, about today. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, and really, like empowering the person, you know, to be. To really know that they have the power of choice to make choices and, um, you know, to, to really like, if you, you don't understand food that you can always learn about, like to learn, you don't have to just believe everything that's like on a label, but really to, um, educate yourself and then make informed decisions. And I think where we are today, we are in a great place that we have access to so much information, sometimes probably too much information and some (laughs) of that information isn't great and we have to filter through it. But, you know, we are in an age where, you know, we do have technology, you know, and access to, if you want to go back to old school and its books and libraries and all the rest of it, there is plenty of information out there. So we can educate ourselves. Sometimes it's just finding the right information for us. That's true, which is why it's, you've got your podcast, right? Like to, to help bring, um, you know, in information out to people who, you know, hopefully they will hear something and, and, uh, you know, take, take away, uh, something that will benefit their, their life. Um, I actually said like a lot of the social media is really not healthy for people, you know, to be on so much. And that I see is, as really um, degrades their emotional well-being. Like that is a big thing. And especially for young kids, like kids and teenagers, the spike in, um, you know, anxiety of young people is tremendous because of, you know, all of the stuff they're scrolling and looking at on their, their phones and tablets. Yeah, 100% agree. And as you said, like one of my reasons for creating this podcast is to get female health experts on the show so that women can, you know, maybe they haven't heard about Chinese medicine and acupuncture before because generally, generally most women are getting their information from their doctor and that might not be in their scope or their friends. And again, that might not be on their radar. So, you know, hearing something different that they may find, oh, this is a, a might be a great alternative for them to help them with whatever issue they may have is one of the reasons why I have put this together. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and again, okay. So we didn't like say like how long, like uh, Chinese medicine, East Asian medicine is thousands and thousands of years old, like really thousands of years old and has been continuous. So um, really this this amount of knowledge, which is experiential knowledge, you know, from, uh, you know, the culture and, uh, the practice of it. And really in like, if something wasn't working, it would be, it would no longer be used. Right. Because, um, ancient in the ancient world, you know, it's life or death. Like you need to know if this is going to help or not. And if something really helps and you're like, this is helpful and this is helpful and this is helpful. Um, so this is, um, 
you know, not something to be really poo-pooed. It's really to be like, okay, let's really like look at what that is. Um, because there's always the Western medicine for intervention, but we need to kind of have this continuous, you know, what can I do to always improve my health, you know, to maintain, improve my health in different ways is really going to, um, you know, depend on the choices that we make. So we, we, we have this, you know, information, which I, you know, I think thousands of years of, of, um, uh, experience <laughs> is, uh, pretty good in terms of, uh, evidence, you know, evidence. For sure. Now I always, uh, wrap up our podcast by asking my guests if there's one piece of health advice that listeners could go off and instigate straight away after listening to this podcast, what would you suggest? Aha. Uh-huh. Great question. And for some, for what could somebody do? I would say one, uh, stop looking at your phone or um, computer or tablet at least two hours before bed, literally at least two hours, put it aside um, so that you focus on sleep, you know, to get to sleep, because that is going to um, help to reset your nervous system um, and to really like focus on quality sleep. And I think um, not enough people do that because they want to, you know, burn the candle at both ends or they're constantly like looking at their phone and that will, that actually interrupts the brain patterning, you know, just like the stimulation, even like reading their book on their phone, um, just the, the actual, blue light is going to um, disturb the brain patterning and um, really allowing that to calm down so that you can tap into the, you know, you're, you're helping your circadian rhythm and that will affect the nervous system. That'll affect hormones and quality of sleep and inflammation. Right? And then um, the other would be definitely take a probiotic. <laughs> Like, look at your gut. Gut health is a big thing. Um, Where that's a longer kind of a, but what could people do? Okay, just put your phone down. (laughs) Yeah, I love that because I think, as you said, it's such a, it's amazing when you are out and about, when you look at people, because, you know, you do as you're walking around, but the amount of people that are on their phones all the time, you know, wherever you look, whether or not they're walking on their phone or drinking a coffee on on their phone or supposed to be watching their kids and they're on their phone. And, you know, it's, if we took it away, I always think if we took the phone away, what would change metric wise with our happiness, our energy, our sleep? It would be really interesting to go back. We know what it was like prior to, but now with this generation that's kind of grown up with it, um, it would be really interesting to to switch it off and uh, see what would happen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up without it. I mean, I was lucky if there was like color TV. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but um, it, it it's really interesting because it will um, what it's doing is also it it is like modeling how people think right? Because of the way it stimulates. And um, so I I actually really don't think it's a good thing for, you know, for kids that they're on it for so long. And, um, you know, also for 
us adults as well. It really, um, we get addicted to it, you know, and um, the dopamine and then the looking at the the stuff and you lose time. And uh, before you know it, you're, 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 there's a lot of anxiety and stuff, just like general anxiety. And it comes from like just watching stuff that can be very upsetting or just, you know, like we're shifting our brain chemistry. So we have to be very mindful of that, you know, really like, what are we doing? Mm, agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast show. It's been a lovely chatting with you. Thank and, you. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing all that information about Chinese medicine and acupuncture and psychedelics. And I, yeah. I really hope everybody listening can, you know, go out and if you haven't maybe tried acupuncture or Chinese medicine, maybe you will find something that will definitely right. help you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening into the podcast. Please hit subscribe to be updated for each time we release a new podcast.